Hello and welcome to the 40M News Podcast with your host, James Coppert. Oi, oi. Hello, my beautiful little minkies. Welcome to the 40M News Podcast. So, as you've heard me state numerous times, there's been a lot going on in uh, 2021 and it's it's made me uh, limited in my output. So I apologise. But someone suggested I do a Q&A. And uh, so I put it out there and I've got some amazing questions in. It's been really sweet, actually, because people send a question and then immediately get another message saying, oh, that's a rubbish question or it's over simple and things like that. They're all brilliant questions. And I really appreciate you, first of all, for listening. And second of all, just for even taking the time just to write in and ask a question. So it's greatly appreciated for every single one of you. None of them are rubbish. I must admit, I'm a little disappointed. I haven't had any heckler questions, um, and that just shows that the show isn't big enough yet until I get questions like, why do you believe in aliens, you muppet, and things like that. I don't quite feel validated, um, so may- maybe we'll keep plugging away until we get those questions in as well. Um, really excited to do this. Um, I want to state very, very uh, strongly that I'm not an expert. You can't be an expert in the unknown, but all I am is someone who's experienced these things since birth till now not only that i go into the field and research it directly as well as reading an insatiable amount of uh, books on the subject um, listening to podcasts obviously and watching things etc etc not just on this but also on politics philosophy um I, i just have an insatiable appetite for learning and i put that all together and come up with it's not a theory we can't theorize on things that can't be tested it is hypothesis And I do understand that some of my answers will upset people. I don't generally concede to the status quo of beliefs in this type of thing. Um, I do have my own uh, theories that they aren't just my own. Lots of people believe in them, but I suppose they're not as mainstream maybe as as others. And some people who are specialists in certain types of field might get upset about it, but I'm not out here to upset. All I'm doing is giving my opinion. And if people disagree, I'm really happy to to wear those views as well. So um, do write in. If you enjoy it, this is something we can do again. Um, please do let me know. Drop an email or all on the social media sites um, and, and just let me know what you think of it. It'd be brilliant. I hope you do enjoy it. I'm really humbled by the fact that people actually want to listen. And um, so I'm not going to ramble on anymore. I'm going to do that enough in a minute. And I'm just going to start with the questions. So let's just take it away. just got messages through um my best mate andrew has just had a baby and uh, it's just arrived she's just arrived so welcome to the world connie you first shout out on a podcast within a few minutes of your life not bad going and much love to andrew and chang many congratulations can't wait to meet my new goddaughter so uh welcome to the world it's not a bad place on the whole it's a few idiots but most of us are doing all right to be fair Anyway, I always ramble on. On with the questions. Obviously, I've got a lot of questions about the um, imminent Pentagon UFO uh, report. So the first one's regarding that. So this question is from Adrian, who runs an amazing graphic design company called Electric Angel. Go and check them out. Electricangel.co.uk. The guy's a genius, amazing graphic designer. Um, Go and have a look. Question one. 
Do you think the upcoming Pentagon report will contain any concrete evidence of extraterrestrial life? Brilliant question. This is a question that has been in the mainstream media a lot. Um, my answer to that is no, I don't think it will. I think for for them to say it's aliens, they have to be um, completely conclusive that it is aliens, and at the moment it's still unknown. And so all it will specify is unknown objects, unknown craft. Um, there are. I just want to address the debunkers straight away because the debunkers are already saying in the media before it's even released that this is foreign technology um, that's slightly more advanced that we're kind of experiencing now. I just want to debunk the debunkers straight away here because, first of all, those that are the experts of the um, you know military in the USA are saying that these craft that they're seeing are between ten to hundred years more technologically, technologically advanced than the USA is at the moment. Now, you know, there is potential that some countries could be more advanced than, than the United States, but that would only be by maybe one year or so. And, and we can tell this, we can measure this quite easily because it's reflected upon in the market. So wherever there's technology that has uh, been kind of created within use of the military, it then also gets used to see if there's any commercial value within that. And I don't look at, say, Huawei phones in China and see much difference between that and the the phones within the uh, United States are producing or South Korea is producing, for example. Now, unless they're suppressing the technology, but this is unlikely for this very reason. First of all, if you've got some new technology that is marketable, say, for example, a new battery that you charge for, for 10 minutes and lasts for a month, that generates revenue. If that's sold all over the world um, and it's your country's companies that, that have developed that, that's a massive increase in taxation revenue, which in turn then f- further funds the military to then further advance its technology, I can't say that word tonight, technology's output um, and creation and research, etc, etc. So the fact that we aren't seeing any countries being far more developed within the market is is proof to me that that there isn't. Um, And if they are, they're not going to be that far advanced. I mean, 10 to 100 years more advanced is, is extreme, especially with how fast technology is developing. I mean, if you look at technology 10 years ago, just from what we know, even in terms of, you know, your iPod to Spotify to anything like that, you know, even how more advanced cars are from 10-year-ago models, it's very unlikely that another country's managed to develop that quickly. So I think that that can be thrown out. Um, What do I think they are? Um, I'm going to hold my own uh, judgment until I I know more, as I I like to do. there are, if we look at some of the research at Skinwalker Ranch, we know that people have seen portals appear with um, these objects kind of coming through and portals closing again. Sometimes, with one example, it was uh, night and it was daylight when it came through. Um, not daylight, but it, they looked in the portal and could see daylight. So I think this is really interesting and we have to kind of look at these different different aspects because is it interdimensional? Is it time travel? Is it interplanetarily? I, I don't know. Is interplanetary a, 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 an actual word or have I just made that up? Who knows, right? I'm, I'm not going to go on because um, there's loads of questions and I'm rambling. But that, that's my view anyway, so I don't think it will. But 
if I'm proven wrong, I'll be really excited. There's also obviously there's so many conspiracies about Roswell that um, we could have bodies that that are there, but I don't think the report will go into that. Um, but we'll see. So we've got a couple of questions now from Nathan. Question two: Why are the Pentagon releasing this now? This is a great question, Nathan. Um, I haven't read anything around it yet, so I'm sure there's loads of conspiracy theories that we will uh, probably come into on later shows. Um, But for the moment, I'll just give you something I've really thought about and I'll give you my kind of viewpoint. Uh, As you know, I've noticed that there's also been kind of celebrities each month um, over the past year coming out and sharing a story about UFOs or aliens and things like that. Um, That seems quite purposeful. Um, also the leaks in inverted commas have been occurring which also seems very purposeful i believe that we well we already know that the usa is expanding their military to also include a space military force now we have a pandemic we potentially are going into another recession in order to it's going to cost a lot of money isn't it to generate a a space program in order to do that and get the public behind it There needs to be something that we're scared of, because if we were just doing it for the sake of doing it, then the public might say, hang on a minute, there's more important things that we need to be, you know, be sorting out in the country. However, if you have this technology from potentially another planet, another dimension or whatever, that is so far advanced that our current technology can do absolutely nothing to stop it then it does make sense then, doesn't it, to start ploughing money into a space force, an intergalactic force, whatever it's called, to kind of try and counteract that and everything. So I I believe it's as simple as that. It's a simple economic argument to try and get the public behind them, to get the public's backing, to allow them to plough more money into this next advancement in military kind of technology. Question three. Why have they changed the name from UFOs to UAPs? So why have they changed the name from UFOs to UAPs? I think, again, it's, it's, it's down to economics. They want, it, they want it to be taken seriously. And for we also know, you know, previously the government has, we know this for a fact now, has tried to discredit UFOs and the belief in UFOs and to make people look a bit silly and daft who, who believe in them. Um, they've done really well with that. And for the past, however, you know, past few decades, every time the subject's brought up on the news or a documentary, whatever, they'll always play the X-Files music and they'll never interview kind of a scientist that might be interested in the subject or an astronaut. They'll interview some wacky guy with, you know, green hair, um, loads of piercings and eyes that look in different directions while he's smoking a, a bong or something like that, you know. So in order to be taken seriously, they've changed the name. So it's almost like a, a separate subject because, again, they want the public back in. They want their public to say, yeah, OK start funding space force so we're not going to call it ufos um which is filled with all that kind of negative baggage that's they've created in in part so by calling it uaps um it makes it a bit more military official doesn't it and makes you start accepting and believing it a little bit more than this hotly contested and debated subject of ufos which has been going on for half a century or more Question four. Where has Bob Lazar gone? Yeah, I have to be honest. I don't know what um, Bob Lazar or Lazar, whatever his name is, is uh, 
I haven't seen any quotes of, of him in the media at the moment. Uh, I don't know where he is. He might just be in bed with a cup of tea and a biscuit. Who knows? Um, he seems credible when he talks, but he's also been highly discredited by um, other people. But this is when all the conspiracies kick in and everything like that. Um, yeah, fascinating story that he tells, but I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you where he is. He's definitely in here with me. Um, that's all I can say. Question five. Have they cloned dinosaurs yet? I don't think they have cloned dinosaurs yet. Um, they would have to get fresh DNA, which, as we've mainly just got fossils, I don't think that's a possibility. Um, I know that they did have the potential to clone a mammoth after finding mammoth DNA within ice, and they could have impregnated an elephant. But then the whole debate of God comes in that should you play god and reintroduce animals that have been extinct blah 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 um that's probably a whole podcast of hours of debate on its own in terms of philosophy so to just quickly answer the question no they have not the next question is from origami nick so if you go on instagram and twitter and check out at origami nick you won't be disappointed. The man is an absolute genius in terms of folding paper and things. It's mind-blowing what he creates. Question six. What influenced you as a child? Were you always into this phenomenon? Thanks for the question, Nick. I'll be honest, I wouldn't really call it into the phenomenon. Um, to me, it was something to be terrified of when I was little. Um, my parents, um, I've been finding out more kind of about it as I'm speaking to my parents now as an adult. So my dad recently was telling me that even when I was maybe two or three years old, I used to have conversations with people that weren't there. I would see people um, to the point where I'd even go tell my mum and dad that I was tired and go to bed. But actually, it's because I wanted time on my own away from my parents to talk to. Um, I think it was a little girl. And they, the door would be shut and they'd come and they'd listen to me and find it cute until they started actually hearing a female voice responding that wasn't mine. So um, things also used to move around the house frequently around me, um, always has done. I have to say I was, um, and again, this goes back to uh, one of my kind of um, hypotheses on, on why it happens to me. Um, I, I, was, I used to sleep about an hour a day as a baby and up to the age of three or four. Um, my ADHD was that acute, so I was unbelievably hyperactive. So, you know, whether it is the whole, this, you know, different theories, isn't it, of um, someone hyperactive might give spirits or whatever the energy to be able to do what they need to do, but also that it could potentially be my, my own energy causing that. Um, as I got older, and you're more aware, aren't you, that this isn't normal, that your imaginary friend that you have that I used to play with called Aggie, who's my own daughter's named after, funnily enough, um, I used to play with her all the time in this house. And as you get older, you realise that actually that's that's a bit strange, that other people can't see him, um, that not everyone at school has things flying around and that. I also have, and, and this could be a dream, but for some reason it, it feels really real that I had um, periods where I, I levitated for a few seconds of time. And I remember then, you know, getting my coat and thinking I was Superman by putting it on and trying it again and it didn't work. Um I remember that quite distinctly, but like I said, at the age I was, it could potentially be a dream. And my dad said to, um, some of the paranormal activity around me as a child got to so extreme that at one point the 
the wall itself start to get red hot and um, plaster started flying off in front of him. So, yeah, all these things were occurring. Then we happened to move to kind of in my late childhood, early teens into West End in Brompton. And that was a very dark, um, nasty, horrible place. And uh, I've spoken extensively about this on other podcasts and interviews um, where some of the, there's a history of suicide within the, the residents and that continues with my family. Um, all the typical things that, you know, the, um, that, that you get at these, I use the word haunting, um, but we're going to go into into that later. But, you know, like from in terms of poltergeist activity, um, apparitions, uh, swarms of flies, floods of water just suddenly appearing, um, all these things, you know, knocks, the you know, the raps, um, footsteps as if they're running through walls, literally running across the ceilings, um, the trickster elements, all these type of things used to occur. And, and that was terrifying because it was very malevolent you could feel it in the air um I, I didn't like it my brothers didn't like it um my parents didn't like it people felt suicidal uh, both my parents felt suicidal my mum attempted suicide my dad left saying that if he didn't leave he would have committed suicide so th- those were all the kind of there so it wasn't anything very positive and although it was fascinating and interesting and sometimes I'll, I'll be honest it was very cool like you know if my, my friend was around Matthew in particular stuff used to really happen and we looked up and things were flying across the room that that was entertaining um it was less entertaining when you're on your own or um, some of it was quite kind of nasty in how it was. That that wasn't as fun. Um, and it could be terrifying, really, especially in the middle of the night when you're woken up by things happening and you're on your own in the dark. But as I've gotten older, um, you know, certain things occurred and I started to enjoy it more um, and I started to research it. I wanted to know why, first of all, I, it happened around me a lot or why I would go in and be a catalyst in places where things did occur, it would occur more. And and it's just, for me now, it's just highly entertaining. It's really interesting. If there is a place and I know that something's going to go off and go in, I don't go in scared. I go in really excited that I potentially might get some more answers. And um, it's just fun, isn't it? That's why there's so many TV shows about it. Um, in terms of the UFOs, um, it's not something I've, I've seen a lot of, I think I've seen three UFOs, which I suppose for some people is a lot. But um, this began, again, it was a, I was at primary school and we were doing a project with the uh, with our teachers on the, the sensors. So we had to go out into the playground and we had to say what we could see, what we could smell, what we could hear and all those type of things. And when the teacher said, what can we see? I said, a UFO. And we looked up and there was, there was this, um, it was this cigar shaped which at the time was really common. We're talking about in the 80s. So it was a cigar-shaped UFO. It was completely silver, the size of a very large jumbo jet, I'd say. Um, it didn't have any windows. It was um, silver, metallic, smooth, with no wings and no tail, and it was just there floating in the sky. And so all the kids wrote about uh, UFOs. And then I happened to uh, enter a competition to design the school a new logo. I became the runner-up. Uh, I got a book token, and when I used my book to- token, after seeing this UFO, I bought the, I think it was Osborne's book of UFOs for kids. I bought that and um, read that many times and found that absolutely fascinating as well. And again, it's all these things that are kind of 
the unknown and mysterious that make you just wonder. Um, I, I like my life to be full of wonder. Uh, getting the answers for everything is is really good. Like if I don't know the answer to something, I have to find it there and then. And that's again a very ADHD trait. It used to drive my fiance mental because we'd be in the middle of watching a film and. Um, she'd say who's that or what was that or and I'd have to pause it and find out there and then instead of just watching the film so to have things that are completely unexplained to, and constantly searching for answers I, I find fascinating but it did it started as a child but as I said it was it was quite scary in those days so the next question is off the brilliant Candy Godbold so Candy's a, a musician and uh, I'm really chuffed that she's got in touch. So uh, go check out Candy Godbold on Bandcamp and go and listen to. She's just put a new uh, record out that's that's amazing. I'm just going to read it because it's too long to put into the old uh, question app. So it says, hey, James, I'm off to stay in an old mill at the weekend. There's rumours of a ghost in there. I'm scared, but also excited to see him. Apparently an old mill worker. He hangs about in the stairwell, but has been seen at the bottom of the bed as well. Last time I stayed there, I heard someone walking about. It was certainly someone walking, and not just old house creaks, and these are in line with the reports that he walks up and down the stairs. Happened twice half an hour apart, and it did give me the shivers. I'm wondering if I should sit on the stairs for a while to see if I can get some vibes. Do you often feel something in a place, a sort of vibe of someone who has passed on? So, Candy, first of all, you'll have to let me know where this place is. I would love to go and stay myself and do a bit of investigations. If it's on the stairs and walking about, I would set up equipment and cameras to see if we can actually capture anything or if it is just the sounds. Um, do I get vibes and sound? So, yeah, I do go into a place and, and can tell if it's, and again, I put it in, uh, in quotation marks, haunted, because what actually is a haunting and what isn't is something I think it's one of the questions coming up um, is up for debate I don't necessarily believe that it is people of the past um, but I do believe in in residual hauntings which is that sounds like what you're talking about um, residual hauntings I would say is the more traditional ghost as opposed to poltergeist activity which I see as a separate thing altogether so, um, yeah, residual stuff is, is amazing. And there is you know, the kind of stone tape theory. There seems to be some evidence that where there is, you know, like an old mill, it, it could be made out of sandstone, which has potentially a lot of kind of metal elements within the stone itself. Um, places like that, this residual energy seems to occur more. So what will happen is, again, if, if you go and stay in this mill in another 10 years, you'll probably hear the same footsteps at the same time. So the same kind of things repeat um, continuously is, is the same process rather than it being an intelligent and interacting with you. One of my favourite uh, residual ghosts is in Gainsborough Old Hall, which we went to visit. Um, I definitely got vibes in there, but again, we'll come on to that in a second. Um, but in particular, for hundreds of years, there's been a, an image of this lady in a Tudor dress she walked down the hallway and then she turned right and went through the wall and vanished. And this is being caught on camera and being seen by, you know, lots of different people, as I say, for hundreds of years. Um, to the point where, and again, this is for the people that are debunkers. I want you to think this is a, a extremely um, valuable listed building, historically valuable. And they had seen this spirit that, that often that they actually knocked that part of the wall through to see to see where 
this this ghost of now they they don't do that without a good reason so for them to do that due to evidence of seeing a ghost then there must have been enough evidence that people were genuinely seeing this ghost um, and what they did when they knocked through the wall in that point is they found an old Tudor doorway. So that spirit would have actually walked through this Tudor doorway, which is fascinating. I absolutely love that story. Um, so, yeah, this old mill worker will... Uh, something pertinent might have happened at that time. Um, and you can hear the footsteps. Um, I imagine that it is residual. Residual means that it's just kind of continues on a loop it's almost like a film or a sound can be heard there's there's a certain one in the united states where on the same day every single year um you can almost guarantee that you will hear footsteps and gunshots from an old civil war building um these uh i don't know if you can necessarily pick up residual energy you potentially can there there could be a magnetic field which is why we're seeing it uh, or hearing it um I often do go into a place and say something's happening here and I'm right. Um, I'll, when I uh, used to work for social care, I used to go in a house and um, would, would pick stuff up and try and bring it into the conversation without being obvious and people would start telling me things normally went on in the house. Why I can do that, I don't know. Um, mediums tell me that I am a medium um, and if I train myself, I'd be able to do it. Um, but what that is, I don't know. Um, but again, I'm going to interview Pamela soon and she'll be able to kind of explain more of that type of thing. Um, I do think it's fascinating. Um, I, I am still debating as to where that information's come from. Um, but that is something I'll go into the interview with, with Pamela with rather than going into it here. So, um, Pamela is the, the real deal. Um, but my, I've got different theories of where that information comes from. But we'll see, we'll see. So uh, that's going to be that's going to be a fascinating interview. Oh, oh, that made me jump. One sec, I'm going to stop the tape and investigate. Did you hear that? Okay, so it's six minutes past midnight, and I think you could hear quite clearly as I was talking. Then you heard a, a bang in the background. Now both my children, quite obviously, are in bed. Um, my cat, which was my my first thought, is over in the living room. Um, on the windowsill asleep that um it was in my kitchen which is to the left of me and there was a chopping board and a knife being thrown on the floor now they were both on the worktop they're not hanging off the edge or anything just sat on the worktop and you heard it clatter almost on command that, that's the type of thing that kind of regularly does go on in this house um and there has been stuff happen before while i'm recording and it hasn't picked it up, but that one was nice and loud. Now, I don't know if I can copy and paste it so you can hear it again, but let, let me try. So uh, that's going to be that's going to be a fascinating interview. So uh, that's going to be that's going to be a fascinating interview. So uh, that's going to be that's going to be a fascinating interview. So there you go, some live evidence of actual haunting. That's non-residual haunting, by the way, um, which is uh, yeah, it likes taking the mick, to be honest. And just while we're on it, some of the sounds that you hear. Um, in terms of rapping and footsteps there's been kind of tests done it's just one thing that i find really fascinating there's been certain tests done on the um signature the sound signature of say knocks in hauntings and they are unable to be replicated in real life so although they sound like someone knocking 
the actual sound signature looks completely different to anyone that's knocking on wood. Um, they've done experiments where they've knocked on all different objects around the house and nothing can replicate the exact sound signature, which shows that it's potentially not even, although it's audible, it may not be created physically which just adds another dimension to what these sounds are. But yeah, Candy, let me know, uh, message me again and let me know if anything did occur and where it is. And uh, I'd love to uh, love to visit and uh, check it out and try and gather the evidence and recordings of those sounds that you heard. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? So the next question is from Lee. Question eight. Why do some people leave spirits and otters don't? And why are some people sensitive to them and others not? Really, really good questions. Again, I don't necessarily think it's the person. I think it's more to do with the environment. Um, So where there's limestone, for example, or water flowing, we do know that there are um, a higher tendency to have these kind of uh, residual ghosts. Um, Also seems to occur where there's a big event some traumatic experience so um so mia dolan in her book the gift she speaks about uh, one where she kept hearing a boy falling down the stairs screaming and uh, like a crash all the way down the stairs and uh, it turned out this occurred on the anniversary of his death every single year and it used to start happening on cue um i i tell the story a, a really good one where my uncle came home crying and my granddad asked him, you know, what was going on? What's, why is he so upset? And he said that they were all in the car and they came to a junction. They hit this girl, but they got out. They couldn't find a body anywhere. And they, they literally looked everywhere. So they got were shaken up and they ran the police. And the police said, did it happen by the junction where there's the gap in the fence on this road? And they said, yes. And they said, don't worry, we'll send someone out. But a girl died there, you know a few years ago and this keeps occurring so i think where there's a big event and this massive burst of energy potentially imprints on the space-time continuum is another um reason for that um also the you know like i said it could be just imprinted within the environment itself and then replays as like almost a video loop um light is energy itself isn't it so light could be a projection of that burst of energy bleeding through who knows? Um, there's lots of kind of guesses out there. In terms of why do some people pick it up and others, I think some people are um, more empathic in general. Um, the work that I do, for example, and, and my entire career has been about being empathic to others. Um, I, I pick up on things quite a lot from, from people. Being in a room, I can feel it without even looking at them and responding to body language. Um, I often will even pick up the phone and ring people when they're having a really bad time and need someone to talk to just because I get the urge to. So I think that's one of them. Um, I will get Pamela again to talk about this. This is a question I'll pose to her. She's more qualified to speak about that. Um, I think some people are just more perceptive to the environment as well. So... um, I mean, again, with my ADHD, uh, my sense of smell, my sense of hearing is, is more heightened than other people. So it's more likely that I will pick things up just in general in a room, um, regardless of whether it's something like that. Um, and as you know, I've spoken quite a lot over the years and done many interviews and, and quite a lot of research. Like I, I do aim to put a book together one time about neurodiversity. And it does seem to be like a lot of the mediums. What is that noise? 
that is my cat this time. I don't know what she's doing. Um, yeah, a lot of mediums that I, I believe are the real deal that I've come across seem to be on the spectrum or neurodiverse in some sort of way. And I think those extra kind of senses are, are really heightened. Um, we know that there are savant levels of people that are autistic or with ADHD where, you know, um, Wesley Willis, for example, could look at a scene for two seconds and then he could get a pen and piece of paper and he could draw the number that was on the bus, how many windows were in the building, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and those kind of perceptive skills are, seem to be a lot higher. I'm not saying every single medium is neurodiverse, but that I, I believe that there's a higher ratio. And I believe that is part of the reason why people can do that. And some people are just naturally empathic. Some people are naturally perceptive. Um, some people that have gone through trauma, for example, have to be perceptive to protect themselves and maybe more able to pick up different fluctuations in environments. So they're, they're my kind of hypothesis. Um, but yeah, the other people have different ones. So if you're more interested to go and look at those. But yeah, that's my view. Great questions. Question nine. Does proximity to a football or commercial operation give a boost to community protection against aerosol transmission of viruses? Or have I missed something? <laughs> Thank you. Um, that question was from Tom. Look, mate, I do get your frustration. Um, you know, I've got a parent. I've got a parent. I am a parent with um, send young people. And, uh, you know, to try and explain to someone who's autistic, who's very black and white logical, that... Once we walk into a restaurant, we have to put a mask on. But the second we sat down, we could take it off again because it's not that risky enough that we have to wear a mask because we need to eat. But if they want to get up and go to the toilet, which is a few steps away, they have to put a mask back on and then they can take it off again. It's completely illogical. It's completely irrational. It makes no sense. Um, and it's very difficult to kind of manage with that. Um, in terms of the... Uh, the event with with football um uh yeah look i think they've they've done some experiments in terms of festivals and concerts and um some of the football matches and there hasn't been an increase i think because it's outdoors and people are wearing masks it's highly unlikely to be contagious but i know we were in complete lockdown when footballers were allowed to get on a pitch and play together and again it, it doesn't it defies all logic um i think they looked at um the the emotional response in terms of making people feel better within the countries having football back and that outweighed the risk of spreading the virus, I guess. I was very glad that it was back. I have to be honest, it made a huge difference to my life as someone who's a huge football fan. Um, but I do get that people aren't and can understand why they are frustrated, especially, for example, if you're into music and you can't go to a concert. So, um, yeah, I do get it. It's uh, It's been a funny old time and, and these confusions only then fuel some of these false conspiracies that we, we keep hearing about, don't they? So yeah, I do uh, generally get your frustration. I really do. Question. Are we passing through a big learning? Thank you. That's from John. And I'm not sure if you're referring to the great conjunction that I spoke about in January's show. Now, um, I personally don't see any sudden advances in learning or development in in humanity i think there there was an opportunity um it was almost like a pause where covid and lockdown to reassess values and things but it seems if, if you look at we're in a state of populist politics and i think there's less learning 
um, without getting too political. I think people are really angry over certain things and what they're angry at and pointing at the finger at is incorrect. Um, people are very angry about specific issues um, to do with COVID and um, all these different kind of political things that, that they're angry about. And yet the biggest killer, and this is my bugbear, um, and it's, this, is a, this is non-political, although it's very political. I, I don't, I'm not talking about party politics here. I'm talking very generalised. Um, but the, my biggest bugbear is on both sides, left and right. They get really angry and they're pointing the finger at certain issues. And the biggest killer within our society is poverty. You know, with, with an increase in poverty, there's increases in domestic violence, increases in heart disease, increases in male and male violence, increase uh, lower lifespan, increasing obviously, child poverty. Um, it, it's, it's just a, a cancer of society. And we can we can fund the police less if we, you know, reduce poverty because there's less crime. We can um, de- defund um, benefits and the healthcare system because there's there's more work with uh, decrease in poverty. There's less people ill with a decrease in poverty. So it's just got on whether you're left or right. It's just got such a positive outcome on all sides of the argument. For me, that would be the next stage of learning: is people getting angry about poverty, which is the biggest ill in our um, communities, and and fighting that. That that for me would be the biggest learning. I don't know if that answers your question. Um, there are, I think we are, we're misjudged at the moment in terms of uh, where we are in society. Um, I don't know if anyone's read the books by uh, Ruta Brechman, um, a, a Dutch historian. Um, he says that we, we should be happy because we're actually in the safest time of ever in history. Um, people think that, you know, there's terrorism and crime is higher than it's ever been and actually less people are dying of war terrorism crime than ever before in any period of history but it's reported more so we our perception is it's there more so we're actually doing really really well and um maybe there's there's learning in that and continuing that you know it's i don't see any sudden changes since january but i do hope that the curve that um Ruta Brechman, um discusses continues and we we do continue in that upward cycle um, it gives us more, you know, I think as well with the increase in technology, um, this isn't really 14, is it? But I'm going there anyway. Um, if you look at, say, Amazon, um, for example, not to pick on them, but um, in terms of their technology and their warehouses, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's like something out of a sci-fi film, if you ever look at the documentaries about it. It's um, absolute genius. It's mind-blowing to look at it and how it works. Um, obviously, that's reduced the need for... Um, human uh, work workforce within that and although you know with with amazon's profits at the same i i would hope that they could potentially look at paying everyone a four-day week and still maintaining the same wages um and, and as technology starts increasing and replacing jobs i'm hoping that's the same for everyone to give you know a four-day week to enable people to be creative to research and learn um be, create music art and all those type of things I think that's the next stage of our development as human beings is to to work less and use the technology we've created, not just in the hands of just uh, the people that own it, but for for everyone, you know, to to create a, a better society. Because, you know, there's there are people that I'm sure who are working nonstop who, if they had an extra day, might might solve some of the world's greatest issues. I, I've met people who, uh, 
you know, working in factories with some of the greatest philosophers I've ever spoken to, for example. So, you know, it will give those people time to utilise their skills and experiences. I don't know if that's what you meant by the question, but it's an interesting talking point, isn't it? I'm sure a lot of people disagree that listening, but um, that's my viewpoint. Right, this, I must admit, this one is the favourite question that I received. Question from Leslie. You are very beautiful and have a sexy voice and accent. Are you taken? Asking for a friend. Also, please, could you give a shout out to my sister, Melanie? Thank you for the lovely compliment, Leslie. But I just want to check that you are on the right Instagram page, yeah? It's the 14 News Podcast Instagram page. Are you sure you're... Oh, have you got your glasses on? I'm not sure. I do get a lot of emails about my voice, especially from uh, ladies in America. But the reality is, those people that hang out with with me every single day, I do show them those emails that compliment my voice. And they do laugh because all they want me to do is to shut up for a minute. I'd start a podcast because people are so sick of me getting all excited and talking about this stuff to them. So, uh, yeah. And of course, I'll give a shout out to Melanie. So, uh, hello, Melanie. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I greatly appreciate it. I hope you're well. And this is your shout out. And as for your actual question, um, at this moment, I'm not taken, sadly. I am in taking some time to find myself on a, a journey of self-discovery. That's where I am at the moment. Question from Connor. Do you have any decent theories or Fortean news surrounding the Whitby, Gothland, North Yorkshire Moors? Is there any good reading material you could recommend? First of all, I just want to thank Connor for his lovely email. Um, the day I was having, I read it at night and it really did. It meant a lot to me, so thank you so much. It was really lovely and I'm, I'm really glad you enjoyed the show so much. I really appreciate it. So in terms of uh, 14 things in that area, it, it's such an area of strong mythology and folklore and folk you know, history that there is so much um, to talk about. I could do a, a three-hour show on that alone. So... So what I'll do, I'll, I'll just give a couple of stories that are on a kind of more personal level that I've had some experience of. Um, in terms of books, there is a book called Haunted Whitby by Alan Brooke. I've not read it. I can't say um, from my own opinion if it's good or not. The reviews are really good. Um, I, I really recommend Truth Proof series. And um, he's done it by Paul Sinclair. He's also done a book about how he's uh, taken by aliens. Um, Paul's a really amazing guy. Um, spoken to him on the phone a few times. He's, he, although he's uh, he's interviewed on Coast to Coast and all the really big American shows, he's really lovely and down to earth. I've got a lot of time for the guy. Um, he's doing a documentary at the moment that's to do with a certain legend of this area, and um, I know he's got lots of evidence and interviews to do with that. I'm really excited. I don't know if it's public knowledge yet what it's about, so I don't want to. Uh, get myself in trouble and say what it's about yet but as soon as it's released I will try and get Paul on the show because I think it'll be a really fascinating interview and it'll give him an opportunity to promote that documentary as well um, Mark Riley has done some books on Haunted Scarborough I know that's not exactly Whitby but he's got some stories in there and that he's uh, Mark's a really good friend of mine actually and he runs Abbey Ghost Hunters who's um, I think the site's down at the moment but they, they were called Abbey Ghost Hunters because they began by investigating Whitby Abbey and had lots of experiences up there. Um, he's a, a very, really intelligent guy. And Angie Riley, his wife, is an amazing medium. Really just wonderful people. So I really recommend his work as well. So in terms of stories, um, one of my favourite stories on the North York Moors is, 
I've never experienced it, although I always look. And again, it's it's something, it's a story that's been kind of corroborated by people that don't know the area, that are tourists that have come forward with the same story. So coming from Whitby to Scarborough, as you're going through um, Burniston, as you're approaching Burniston, going down the hill, there's a, a sawmill on your left and lots of people... Um, I actually did a, an Instagram, funny enough, talk about Instagram. I did an Instagram post about this at the site. And lots of people um, look in the mirror and see an old lady sat on the back seat of the car who then just vanishes. Um, and I say this has been going on for a long time and lots of witnesses, um, people telling the story who have actually never heard the story before, which is, is fascinating. Um, I don't know who she is. Or, or why she does it, and I, uh, that one's one of Mark Riley's um, stories that he features in his book. That, that's really interesting. My own experiences on the moor, I was uh, driving there one night, um, and again, I, I ended up telling this story to a lad called Kyle, who, who uh, told me he'd experienced the same thing. So driving along, and I don't know if you, um, again, it's on the Whitby Road. Um, it's an amazing road. The Whitby Scarborough Road is being featured on Top Gear. Um, if anyone ever fancies doing a, a crazy drive, it's definitely recommended. But this was at night. I've been doing um, some workshops at the youth club in Whitby. And I was driving back, and at that kind of straight bit before you get to Robin Hood's Bay, there's an area with lots of folklore and history, um, there was almost like this this big mist which isn't uncommon on the moors, especially with the sea threat. Um, but this mist almost formed the shape of horses galloping across the road with riders on. Um, and again, it, it, it was only a couple of seconds it appeared and, and fizzled out again. And, and that, as I say, Kyle also witnessed that. And uh, um, I think I spoke to Mark about it and he said that, that that's a really common sight in there. So that's one that I've experienced. Um, I do know one of my friends worked at Bagdale Hall, which is the oldest hotel in Whitby. That is very haunted. We almost got in to do an investigation and uh, the the manager was well up for it because he'd experienced loads of stuff there and I think he wanted some answers and was quite intimidated by it, but the owners wouldn't let us in in the end, which is a shame. I'm hoping that they do change their mind and eventually we do get in there. But one of my friends worked in there and she, she sells the story that repeatedly female um, colleagues that were working there in this certain corridor would have their bottoms pinched um, as a regular occurrence. They would hear footsteps be touched, you know, taps or hair pulled. Um, the the caretaker lived in a room below the bar. He would hear bangs and everything upstairs in the bar, would come up, uh, find the doors locked, open it, no one's there. Uh, what, quite often what happens as well, he'll, um, you know, that everything's been tidied and put away. He closes up for the night, goes down, and he hears like three, boom, boom, boom. And he goes up and the dartboard's been opened and three darts have been thrown in the dartboard. Um, he's gone back downstairs, locked the door again, come back up after hearing a noise and the same thing's occurred again. So yeah, dart playing poltergeist, that's always an interesting one. So yeah, that's got loads of history, um, Bagdale Hall. I'm not sure exactly how old it is without pausing and doing some research, but it's old, it is old. Um, I'd love to get in there one day. So if anyone's listening and knows the owners, um, we're very respectful and we don't charge. And uh, obviously we'll only publish the information if they so wish. But uh, yeah, that's uh, a really interesting place. And of course, um, one of my favourite stories in in that area is uh, Boggle Hole, um, named after the Boggle itself. Um, Got different names around the 
around the world, but um, in this area they're called Boggles and they're little people. I've spoken about them on the show before. The hole itself is a little cave and for centuries um, men were scared to go down to the hole, um, scared of the Boggle, but females would go down, especially if their children were sick, and they would leave um, offerings in the cave for the Boggle in um, in return for um, curing their curing their children so that's a kind of folklore legend i was in the cave and and this is probably a hundred percent coincidence but it's a funny story anyway i was in the cave with my daughters and i was uh taking the mick out of the boggle and this massive chunk of rock fell from the ceiling just missed my head and smashed on my hand um and i honestly thought i'd broken my hand at first it was so painful Luckily it didn't, but it was very bruised and swollen for a long time afterwards. Even though it's 100% coincidence, it's probably me talking that shook the, uh, the the top of the cave and caused the stuff to fall just by vibrations and echoes within the cave. I still do not take the mick out of the boggle whenever I'm in there anymore. That's for certain. There's also lots of stories in Whitby itself from the um, you know people discovering smuggler um, tunnels within their homes after hearing noises and things. So... Uh, there's one in Scarborough actually at this really old pub. And this is just a perfect example of that. That I know is a really true story. And they kept hearing knocks and uh, footsteps and um, people talking behind this wall, what they thought was a an empty wall. And they knocked it through and they found a, an underground passage that went down into the, to the harbour area of the, the sea. There's loads of stories like that in Whitby um, as well. Loads of people discovering passages and, you know, smuggler holes after hearing strange noises. Um, probably residual in the night so or you know if if you're looking at a more rational explanation these tunnels could be filled with rats and all sorts of people here but um it's uh, it's interesting nonetheless so thank you so much for getting in touch connor as i say your, your email really touched me um have you got any experiences in this area if you have let me know that'd be that'd be really good question from ian how big is your minky okay i did promise to answer <laughs> every question um look i'm Nearly six foot three, everything's in proportion. What I always say to everyone, bigger than average, but not so big it hurts. How's that sound? <laughs> Question from Andrew. Do you think the pyramids are man-made? I'll be really honest, I don't know enough about the ancient aliens theory to kind of speak in depth about it. I do think they were man-made, but I also think there was help from whether it's aliens or a more technologically advanced civilization, I don't know. Um, there's some very interesting aspects to some of the hieroglyphics that suggest UFOs, for example. I'm also fascinated by the fact that in modern times we can't build the pyramids as they are, even with our technology now, which is is mind-blowing, isn't it? Um, so I do think there's just a lot more to the story than we're, we're yet to know, but I don't want to just give a load of conjecture as to what that is really um th- there is a, a theory that was some scientists have put forward that the pyramids pyramids themselves have some sort of ancient battery um mechanism within them as well and uh, i know they've also found a hidden chamber that they only just discovered as well so there might be some more answers from that so i do think they were man-made but i also think there's a lot more to the story than we're yet to uh, yet to find out i'm excited to find out Question from Brian. I recently went to Norfolk. Are the flat earthers onto something? <laughs> Brilliant question. Uh, this is from Brian. I don't want to say his surname without permission, but Brian's a uh, professor 
and um, he published his his books are absolutely brilliant but he's also done books on footballers and all sorts he's a, an amazing guy so thank you for your question Brian um, I, I'm half Dutch and spent a lot of time in Holland obviously and uh, yeah it's even more um, <laughs> like Norfolk over there um, f- okay the flat earth conspiracies that I'm sure the people that are listening will, I'll also me loads of angry emails about this I don't believe that the Earth is flat. Um, the simple point of that is if you go to the North Pole, the stars go in a... Um, I could get it wrong, but basically in, in one pole that goes clockwise and the other pole that goes anti-clockwise, which signifies that we're not um, flat and we are a sphere. There's also the fact that when I... Um, I used to go to Seattle quite a lot and see friends over there. And when I flew, we, we flew in an arc because it was actually more efficient. Um, whereas if the Earth was flat, we'd just kind of go as the crow flies. So, no, I'm sorry. I, I do really like the flat Earth theories, and uh, um, I can see why some people get in, into it, because of the there are certain um, scientific aspects of it that really do make sense, but then there are other parts of it that completely just eliminate all the other arguments, really, to make it not a... Uh, not a, a, a rational belief sorry and I, I will upset people I said I would at the start but yeah that's that's what I believe anyway question from Emma what do you think of the reptilian agenda I read all of David Icke's books thank you for your question Emma um I do find David Icke entertaining I've seen some of his talks but I have to be honest I haven't really read his, his books um so I can't really comment too much. I, d- I do know about the reptilian agenda. Um, I do know that there are um, certain beliefs that there are three different alien races and the reptilians are the supposedly malevolent ones out of the three who are intent on doing us harm. Um, one of them is supposedly protectors and then the, the other race are the ones that are just uh, kind of neutral in, in the whole argument. I don't know how much I believe. I, I need to have more evidence um, to obviously to gather my own thoughts around it. Do I think the Queen's a reptile? No, I think they're the royal family. Um, I don't believe that there are certain reptilians that are part of this elite. I think that's just capitalism and how capitalism works. Um, I think if there were this evil reptilian alien race that was far more advanced than us, they would do in a lot more clever way than they are doing. Um, that's, that's my kind of evidence against against that um it's something i have to look more into to be honest when i when i have time uh, i do i am interested in learning more but um i don't know really i don't know why haven't they made a move why why if they're so elite and powerful are they trying to be humans instead of just saying we're in charge you're beneath us do as we we say or you're annihilated do you see what i mean it, it just doesn't add up to me but like I said I don't know enough to comment on it completely I could read his stuff and completely change my mind but yeah that's where I am at the moment what's your views on it Emma email me let me know question from Michelle I really loved your interview with Lily have your other two children had any experiences this is from the lovely Michelle in Canada so big shout out to Michelle she's wonderful um yeah, they have. Now, the reason I haven't done any interviews with them is it's it's been quite a negative thing. Lily's quite able to talk about it and feel at ease. Um, Lily also um, 
so Lily's my how to describe her. She's my stepdaughter. Um, although her mum and I have split up, I'm I'm still stepdad to her, and uh, so she doesn't actually live with me. So I think she's more comfortable about talking about those things because she comes and visits and and goes away. Um, I love her as my own daughter, though, and that's why I just call her my daughter. And um, Charlie and Aggie, it's it's been quite a negative thing for them. Um, so Charlie, even at sixteen runs throughout the house because he's had issues in seeing now this is going to be really strange and sound strange so what he sees is a girl on the stairs and she's it's like a photograph he says she's completely motionless frozen in a in a pose and he says he he completely sees her but it's all the time it's not just a now and again thing he says he sees it all the time and of course you know as a father i've got to do the the rational thing first um as someone that investigates these things as well and I brought other people in and no one else was picking this up which was which was strange I took him to see the paediatrician he's got autism and ADD anyway and um, we discussed this and his view um, as a uh, a specialist he's a paediatrician specialist and he said is is this happening in other places? And Charlie said, no, it only occurs in, in the house. And his he said, well, then it's not anything medical. He said, if he was hallucinating, he would hallucinate everywhere, not just at the home. And then he basically said, you'd be surprised how often this type of thing does happen, um, especially with these conditions. So I was like, okay, so that's interesting. I don't know why I don't pick her up and see her. Um, he did say it once appeared where, with a man as well, where he was reaching for the girl and they're both just frozen. Whether he's, you know, again, we can only come up with some ideas, whether he's seeing a past owner, um, someone that lived here just in time imprinted into his reality, I don't know. I just know it terrifies him. He He won't go in the house without lights on he runs he won't turn lights off in the bathroom and he's, he's a tough kid he's not a wet blanket by any means um but yeah it terrifies him um really interestingly just as a huge coincidence he's come in today and um he's like that because I, I was recording this and uh i had to pause obviously because he came in he's got a part-time job and um I told him, you know, he heard what I was talking about. And then he said, Dad, Dad, you never guess what happened tonight at work. And he was quite excited. And apparently he was mopping the floor. And the bucket, even though it's a flat floor, started travelling across the um, across the floor and then suddenly turned and went kind of at a right angle and started moving that way. And he said he just stood and watched it. So uh, I've tasked him with going and ask the owner if anything else occurs in this old, old building and uh, if it does, whether we can go in and investigate it. Because... Now uh, lockdown's ended, I'm hoping to, you know, anyone that is listening and is in this kind of area or, or, or local, um, as I've stated before, we don't charge unless you're a big, um, huge profit-making company and then we ask for a, a donation. Um, if it's just to help people, we don't charge, we come and investigate. I'm brutally honest. Most of the time, it's nothing paranormal, and I will tell you. Um, and uh, But we do get some things that are incredible and i'd like to obviously gather that evidence to put it on the show so if anyone does need that kind of service then please do get in touch um my other daughter aggie again um it, it started after my, my grandfather died and i thought it was related to that um and it could be 
it really could be. And again, I, we've been to the doctors and uh, spoken about this. She, she was hearing things and seeing things moving in a room, um, terrified her. It seems to have stopped now, um, which again is why I don't really want her to discuss it with her. I may bring Charlie on to talk about it as it's ongoing. Um, I might do a quick interview with him afterwards and uh, see if he'll do a, a quick interview with me about his experiences. Um, Aggie's very scared of this type of thing. Um, interestingly as well, it's you know they've both had these experiences without me ever talking about the paranormal in front of them. They didn't know that what I did or what I'm interested in until they started telling me about it. Um, yeah, so she's been really very terrified by it, really. Uh, again, a bit like myself, it was a very negative experience. I think the one thing that she witnessed that did blow her mind, um, and interestingly, it was, it was a couple of weeks before my, my grandfather passed away, and we went to the home he was in to pick some stuff up for him. He asked for, I think, some new batteries for his hearing aid. So we drove to Humminby. Um, interestingly, it's something to do with Houndman by, which is to do with a werewolf in the area that he's named after. But yeah, um, that's just a side note. But yeah, we went to Humminby to this home. Um, as we got to the door, there was a woman in front of us. She opened the door, shut it, obviously didn't see that we were about to come in um walked through the door and then just vanished before our eyes and both of us saw her as clear as day thought thought she was a real woman she was in quite modern clothing as well um even physically opened and closed the door and the yeah, air just vanished and that completely blew her mind but yeah you can't really live in this house or be kind of around me without witnessing some sort of stuff um my friend lee was around the other night and witnessed stuff you know uh it's it's kind of a regular occurrence. Uh, I don't know why, obviously. Um, but it's uh, some people find it terrifying. I find it very entertaining on the whole. Question from Dave. What are your favourite films and TV shows? Thank you for your question, Dave. Um, my two favourite films, I, I, I can't pick between them. Um, one's called Zatoichi, and it's the uh, Takeshi Katano remake, not the kind of 70s ones. Um, Japanese uh, film about a samurai who, uh, a, a blind masseuse who's this amazing samurai and uh, it's part of Japanese kind of uh, folklore it's an amazing film, it influenced Kill Bill a lot and it's one of Jonathan Ross's favourite films as well, absolutely love it my other favourite film is Old Boy and the South Korean one not the American remake, again just an amazing piece of cinema I'm really into my East Asian cinema, so like Hong Kong, Japan, um, South Korea, especially those countries, um, Thailand, the Philippines, the horrors, um, martial arts, all those type of films, that they're, they're just, you know, Infernal Affairs is just one of the greatest uh, spy trilogies, you know, mafia crime trilogies ever, ever made. Absolutely amazing. So really into that. I, I do watch a lot of films. I, I, I say I love horror, but on the whole, most of it's absolutely rubbish. I'm going to see The Conjuring 3 tomorrow with my ex. Um, we've maintained a friendship, so I'm going through to watch that with her, going to have some dinner and, and then watch a film together. So looking forward to that. Um, so I, I do like that. I also, um, for example, this week I watched a, a Mexican art house film. Um, so I do just love cinema on the whole. TV shows, um, I think my favourite show has to be Vikings, um, which is on Amazon Prime. That That is just I love it I love history and that I love the Tudors as well I loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer for obvious reasons when I was a 
a teenager. Um, a lot of the stuff in there, was, it just had everything, didn't it? It's great, great show. Um, there's not much I don't like on the whole. I, I do just like, you know, quality, quality films and TV. Um, I don't really restrict myself, but yeah, the particularly kind of that um, Zatoichi and Old Boy are just two of my all-time favourite films. If you haven't seen them, really recommend them. Um, Zatoichi, as I say, it's, it's based in feudal Japan about a blind masseuse who's this incredible swordsman. Um, Old Boy is this this guy and he's he's suddenly kind of kidnapped and put in this room um, as a punishment because he's wronged someone and he doesn't know why or what for which is more torturing than being in the room. And, uh, you know, that's that's the first part of the story. And then there's a second part of the story when he gets out and he wants revenge um, for the person or the people, I won't say who or what, for, but that I've got revenge on him for something he's done. And it's that, yeah, it's just an amazing film. Definitely recommend it, both of them. The American one's all right, but it's... The American one's maybe a 6 out of 10, while the South Korean one's a 10 out of 10, and it still goes by the test of time. Definitely recommend and watch him. And if you do watch him, please let me know what you think. I'd be really interested to hear your views. And if you want to know one of my favourite horror films, um, Martyrs is a French horror film, and it's basically the on the premise that if you torture someone continuously enough, they can enable them to speak to God. It's a horrible, nasty film, but it's mind-blowingly good. Question from Charlotte. What music do you like? Thank you, Charlotte. So musically, I'm very... I don't really have any boundaries in what I listen to. Um, My main genre, I suppose, that I listen to more than anything is hip-hop. I, um, in the early noughties, I was a fairly... um, I won't go into all the the story now, but I was quite a well-known rap artist myself. Um, Racked up half a million plays on, on MySpace and t- literally toured all over the world doing that so uh i do love like um quite underground experimental hip-hop political hip-hop i also used to play in a hardcore punk band um so i really love a lot of hardcore um that type of stuff not um not the dance the the hardcore punk stuff uh, i don't have any boundaries so if you listen like on my spotify i've got kind of french pop <laughs> um to, all the way to opera to you know, indie rock, I, I do love, um, again, you know, stuff like Phoebe Bridges. Manchester Orchestra is the band at the moment. I'm listening more than anything. Um, for a bit of Fortean related. Their, their last album is about a, a one of the fathers to the guys in the band who was a close friend to the other guys. And he um, he died and passed away. And it's their understanding of that. And the, the actual cover is the, their dad walking into the you know, the next part of the, the spiritual journey in life. And so that that is a, a mind-blowing album. So I really recommend that, um, the new album by Manchester Orchestra. Just an amazing piece of uh, just rock, rock music. They're really beautiful. Um, he's a great lyricist. They seem like really nice people. Um, but yeah, I don't... I, I always say I, I like two genres. I, uh, I like one genre of music out of two. And that's good and bad music. And I just like good music. doesn't matter how noisy it is, how heavy it is, how pop it is. Um, if it's good, I like it. As simple as that. I like, I, like to, I like it when someone's soul is reflected in the music. So I can't do like the X Factor thing where someone's just singing a song of someone else's that doesn't, there isn't any meaning within that to me. But when the artist's 
you know, like Body Prince Billy, when I, when I, um, when I see a darkness, you can feel him within that. So, uh, yeah, any, I just love music. I really do. I listen to music all the time and, uh, I don't like to restrict myself. Uh, this next question is from Gaz, uh, who uh, left this question on the 14 News Podcast Facebook page, so go and check that out. Um, it's too long to put into the uh, question robot, so I'll just read it out. What are your opinions on Tulsa's thought forms? Um, I struggle with the kind of chicken and egg of the subject. The more awareness in various topics of the paranormal seem to, in myself at least, lead to an increase in said activity. Or is it simply a case of the old adage of buy Red Ford and suddenly you notice all the Red Fords? To me, there seems to be a relationship between putting consciousness thought into a subject and that transpiring into an event, to the point I find myself not trying to think of things through a concern of doing just that. Anyway, be interested in your thoughts as someone with a vast, varied array of events. Brilliant, brilliant um, question. Um, and this is the one that I will probably upset the most people on that uh, into the paranormal. So... Yeah, the whole tulpa thing. Um, it, it's really, it's an, for those that don't know what a tulpa is, it's if, if certain, you know, for example, Slenderman's a perfect example where um, it was created in a competition, an online competition. People then start talking about tulpas online and pe- uh, tulpas. People start talking about Slenderman online, believing in Slenderman. Um, it becomes part of the vernacular and then people start seeing Slenderman in real. Um, there's one, I, I, and forgive me, I can't remember where it is, but... There was um, people made up a story or I can't remember they made up a story or dressed up as a vampire in this graveyard and word spread about town. I think it was a practical joke, but people start believing that there was a vampire in this graveyard. And slowly, like 10 years later, people start to see um, a vampire in the graveyard. Now, that's that's the theory of the Tulpa and how it works. I... uh, I, I do I do believe this is very much an aspect of the paranormal, guys. Um I don't necessarily believe in ghosts. Um, I do believe in the residual ghost that you see, and that's what I call a ghost, is that residual kind of spirit that does the same thing every time. Um, when we're looking at the whole poltergeist experience, um, I think there's very much a cultural slant on it. I don't know if you heard my, my um, interview with... The author uh, S.D. Tucker on Poltergeist, but he's he's very much kind of put this out there, and I'm very much in the same kind of belief as him. So I don't believe you can create something out of nothing, but I do believe a lot of these paranormal experiences are a bit like a lump of clay, and whatever your belief is, then that starts to kind of manifest. So you know, for example, in the Native Americans, believe that Poltergeist activity is called by caused by a trickster coyote because that's their belief i do think that things start moving around and flying around and they will then see a a coyote that was me by the way if if you heard that noise that wasn't anything that was me knocking something off Uh, they will see a coyote then walk you know wander off um in, in the west we really at the moment believe in ghosts and spirits um the black monk of Pontefract, for example if people start believing there's a black monk people will start seeing a black monk as part of that manifestation of their beliefs um also you know if we go to norway and denmark or even if we go back in time you know a few hundred years in the uk people believed in in elves and fairies and used to see elves and fairies within the home at the same time this poltergeist activity is occurring so i don't think it happens everywhere i think if you there are certain spaces I can't tell you 
why. I have absolutely no um, even to guess why. But um, this house is one of them where I, I don't believe it's a ghost, so I haven't seen anything that that's related to that. Um, it'd be interesting if I told everyone that came round that it is a bear. It's a it's a bear haunting that causes it. And if enough people believe that, if people start to see a bear, um, I don't just mean like a trick of the mind. I mean genuinely see a bear. Um, but I do think that occurs that we we start to see ghosts because we believe in ghosts, um, which is why there's there's a regular increase in maybe a certain that type of haunting within within this country, for example, and America. Um, so yeah, I, I do really, I really do understand your viewpoint um, in that. I don't necessarily believe you can manifest something um, unless there is that ball of clay that you can then mould. So that has to be there first. Um, why it suddenly appears? Because I know in a new build, a brand new house, that can occur. Um, and then it can also go dormant and then someone else can come in and it can occur again. Um, it also seems to occur around certain people as well, as we've spoken about previously. Whether that is a completely different situation um, as well, I don't know. Whether the two combine as well. So if you are one of those people where things happen around you and you go into a place that it's more likely things to happen, then it's more likely to happen. Um, there's all these type of things. It's really hard to know. All, all we can do is guess, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I very much believe that we, we there is certain... Whether it's a conscious energy that exists and our belief within that um, then creates certain outcomes but i also you know about other paranormal activity for example i was as as i mentioned previously i was going on to the newton's triangle um one of the most renowned places for ufos in the world and um, i was making jokes with people when i was going up there because i had to drop some uh, books off to some people that i was doing as part of world book night and uh i was joking that oh i wonder if i'll see a ufo i'm going on world newton and as i'm driving along i turn on um, coast to coast and it happened to be an, an interview with about UFOs and uh, and then I just so happened to see a UFO now would I have seen that without me kind of knowing that the World Newton Triangle is a UFO hotspot um, without telling people that I might see a UFO and without listening to the podcast I don't know I just don't know but there's a lot of coincidences in there so it, and it does seem that all this stuff's interlinked and certain people have them um again you know the the whole adhd thing i do believe that um people with adhd are more likely and from my you know research online and speaking to lots of people and um, speaking to even adhd doctors there does seem to be a frequency in things like uh, telekinesis um mind reading all, all these kind of almost um parapsychology kind of events going on um with the condition and again just to really because i'm sure people are bored of me kind of explaining this but to really quickly go into it children seem to have these abilities in you know in in big heaps um and as we go into adolescence the brain changes and it seems to be at that point that people lose it as well as obviously outside influences saying they don't believe in belief change in it which again comes back to the tulpa theory but i believe that neurodiverse people's brains maintain some of that childlike ability they don't exactly um 
evolve in the same way that you know, um, neurotypical people's brains do. And so that's why they hold on to that. You could also just talk about the energy fields of people with ADHD that they look like. I mean, my nickname um, on some of the groups I used to go with on paranormal investigations was the generator because if I went on the investigation things would happen now is that my ADHD um, creates more energy for whatever it is to pick up on or is it because I'm there and stuff just happens around me again uh, we don't know but the interesting things to think about amazing question and again yeah let me know your views on it um, I know people who, who earn a living as a medium probably disagree with me and don't like um that that kind of view but um i'm just giving you my views i'm not saying it's right because like i said before i can't be an expert because i can't be i can't be an expert in the unknown i'm just giving you from years of research and um experiences what what i believe and next week that belief could be completely different and uh as I say, I'm going to interview Pamela soon and her beliefs will be completely different and be fascinating to hear what she says. Um, who's to say who's right uh, to the complete debunkers? Um, but who knows? But yeah, you, you just form, form your own viewpoint, really, as I do. <laughs> Don't take my word for it. Question from Ross. Why do you think the Catholic Church is reporting an increase in possessions? That is a really great question. I don't know. Um don't think we're more connected to evil than we ever have been before i think that's an absolute myth um again going back to the kind of 24-hour news um i don't think people are dabbling in satan worship more than before um people are going to church a lot less i guess the catholic church would see that as a, an issue um i i think we there's there's something to do with nature isn't there um and the there's this amazing t- statistic where they, they looked at people of the same demographics and they looked at streets in one area and the same demographic of people in another area and the streets that had trees on, the people that lived there were less likely to be on medication for depression, anxiety and just less likely to have mental health issues, less likely to have domestic violence on that street, um, less suicides, you know, and all around health improved just by having trees, which is it's just fascinating, isn't it? There was also studies where they took people with kind of depression and things and, and took them into the woods and measured um, their depression, anxiety before and after. Um, those that were taken to the woods as opposed to a walk kind of in urban areas showed a dramatic increase in um, faster recovery times and you know, they, they took the other group for the same amount of time for the walks, but it was something about being in nature and being amongst that that, that made a difference. I, I've been doing it. Um, it's no secret that this this six months has been pretty awful for me. And one of the ways that I've been dealing with that is just going out in the middle of nowhere and having a walk in around and uh, just kind of, I want to say being at one with nature, it's unhappy, but the, the difference you do feel just by um, be, being amongst trees is... It's huge, and I do think we are. There is some sort of spiritual connection to nature that we're lacking, and that that disassociative kind of place that we're putting ourselves maybe creates a hole for other things to come into. Do I believe in demons? I don't know. Um, I do believe in 
very malevolent forces, as you know. Anyone that heard, has heard my interviews about Brompton by Sodom, where I used to live, and the amount of suicides that went on in that house, um, knows that I do believe that that was some certain external forces creating that. So, yeah, great question. Um, I, I don't know. That, that is just one of my hypotheses, the nature thing. I do think we need to be more connected with nature. Anyone that is really struggling, I do suggest just literally going out, get, going into a woods, and I guarantee you 100% you will feel slightly better. So um, there's definitely something about that. I've got one more question, I think. Question from Rudy. How fake do you think the TV shows are as someone that does paranormal investigations? Cheers for your question, Rudy. Um, I've got to be really careful on this one because I know someone that's, uh, that actually does uh, one of these paranormal investigation TV shows listens to the show. I'm not going to embarrass him, um, but yeah, shout out to you. So don't, please don't be upset by what I'm going to say. Um, on, on the whole, paranormal investigation is normally pretty dull. You're really lucky if stuff happens at all. Having said that, the people that are on these shows that are going to the most renowned and extreme haunted places in the world. Um, again, a lot of people have heard my interviews about Filey Youth Centre. If you went in there for a night, for a few hours, stuff w- will occur. Absolutely, 100% without a doubt, will occur. So there are buildings like that in the world, and once you get certain people in... Zap Baggins might be one of those people where, a bit like myself, stuff is going to happen around him. Who knows? So I don't want to throw too much aspersions in in that way. The reality, my reality, as like you said, as someone that does paranormal investigations, is you go to a place and you may have two or three things happen that are kind of very, very touch and go if it's anything at all. So you may hear a bang or a door may open or there's footsteps. You can't guarantee that that is paranormal. It's not unequivocal proof, is it? So we, we try and, as a, as a serious scientific investigator, what I try and do is I try and debunk every single thing until what we're left is, is something completely undebunkable because then that's evidence and proof. Things do occur, um, and the, I know there's debunkers out there that says there isn't. We, we now have, um, I had an argument recently with someone and I, I stated this paper that was published in a scientific journal, peer-reviewed, that was um, investigation into a purported haunting. They didn't say it's ghosts or anything, but what they did say is there is unexplained phenomena which we've ruled out every other um potential aspect and all we're left is the fact that there are things moving by themselves and they even measure distances and all sorts so this this stuff does occur um and there are debunkers who would just refuse to accept that and to me they're as um as stupid as those that have absolute blind faith and believe everything's a ghost do you know what i mean i i I have respect for for neither neither group really um i I go in and there are, there is just unexplained phenomena and that's all I'm trying to create is unexplained phenomena because we I can't say, oh yeah, it's definitely haunted. All I can say is there's definitely unexplained phenomena in this place. But as I said, mo- most places, not much happens. You will go in some places and, and some amazing things happen. You know, we, for example, finally you said that we did an investigation and we all, as we're walking out the room, the, the drums banged really loudly and 
We also picked up an EVP saying we're going in there next. And then the EVP says in Old English on the recording, but not in real life. We didn't hear it. And what thou asked, you know, in Old English. So th- there's no explanation. I mean, when I say the drums were hit, the drums were hit hard and loud. There was no one in that room. Um, I, I was the last person and I was walking through the door at the time. So, you know, th- there are stuff like that that happens, which is mind blowing. There are also nights where you go and literally absolutely nothing occurs. Not even a, a tiny little tap, like the house <laughs> settling. Um, so that that's the nature of the beast. And a lot of the time you go and you, you, you rule it all out. You go to a house where there's um, reported paranormal activity and sometimes, quite often, it's sadly it's mental health or it's gaslighting by a partner in a... Um, a negative abusive relationship, um, dodgy electrics, uh, things driving past that's causing the house to shake. There's all these things that you have to rule out. So it isn't exactly what it is. But I've also, as I said, I've been to some where it's just one thing after another of amazing experiences. You know, one in Filey, again, different different place. We heard singing. Um, we, we, we were touched. There was just so many different things going on, which is just amazing. So, uh, yeah, it, it really does depend. So do I think the fake? I also, th- there's one really well-known one, and uh, some of my friends were experts that were called in behind the scenes to to talk about things and research on the show. They set up a trap for a very well-known medium. This medium in inverted commas, fell for the trap and it was, they gave him an anagram that's basically this guy is an idiot or a liar or something um, of the name of a spirit and he went on air and said this name, so which proved that he he didn't actually investigate and take that out, out of the other. He, he just made it up. So uh, I think to make a TV show, there, there is so much that goes on um, to make it entertaining I'd I'd like to say that I think if my team went in a place, even if nothing happened, it would be entertaining because we're um, I take the mick out of everyone and they take the mick out of me and we, we do have quite a good laugh no matter what. Um, we just enjoy it and I think it, yeah, but I, I think there must be stuff that goes on that isn't real. Is my viewpoint on it? So apologies. Not saying all of them. But some of the, I think the big ones that have the more money is invested, invested in the TV show, um, the more it has to try and make things happen. I think that's the issue. So, um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's it. That's the end. Um, I have a feeling it's really painful and terrible listening, uh, me waffling on, answering questions. But um, I hope it isn't. I hope you get some sort of enjoyment out of it. Um, if you have listened this far thank you so much there is something I really do just uh, just do want to say I wish to send my um, my deepest and heartfelt condolences um, for for Emma um, in the loss of uh, Dan from the podcast uh, Real Life Ghost Stories I, I don't I don't know them I've not spoken to them um, but I, I was really shocked to to hear of it and I can't even imagine what that feels like. I've I've lost a soulmate in terms of a breakup, 
but to lose someone like that in uh, tragically in a, in a death is something I, I can't even sympathise with. It, it must hurt that much. So I just want to send, I don't know if she listens to the show or not, um, but from myself and all the listeners, my deepest heartfelt sympathy um, and just love and healing to Emma. Um, what I suggest you do is... Uh, if they've got a, a a website, same thing that um, Jim Jim Harold did is is just ask people to go on and donate to Patreon and uh, or buy some merch off them or something like that or just just write a really nice review. Um, reviews make such a difference to independent podcasts. You wouldn't believe. Go and leave a five star review of the show. It's worth it. It's a great show. Um, it was really shocking to hear that. So you know, sincere and genuine love to to emma and all dan's friend and families and uh, and the listeners as well i know it must have been a real shock for a lot of listeners so you know I, I thought it was quite important to do that um we've we've got to stick together in this community and uh it, it was very sad to hear that news so yeah um just much love to emma so thank you for listening. Um, I hope it wasn't too painful. As I said, if it was really, if you, I've enjoyed this and you would like to hear it again, I think it would actually work if I got, um, I've got a friend Sam, Sam Kitson, who um, the, the whole reason the show exists is, is that man who gave me the laptop. It might be good next time to get him on and ask the questions and we have a conversation about it. Sam's more of the sceptical side of things um, than I am. I've witnessed a lot more, so I believe a lot more than he does. Um, but he's, he's a very intelligent, fascinating guy and it could lead to a, a more interesting conversation than me just waffling on. So if, if it's something you're interested in, please do get in touch. 410newspodcast at gmail.com. Um, let me know if it's something you want doing again. Um, also, as I say, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram were on there. I know some of you might have sent questions that I've missed because I, I put so many different posts up. So I, I apologise if you did. Um, send them again and I'll promise I'll answer them if it's just on a, a regular show. Um, I will be putting out regular shows again. I keep saying it. I, I really do promise on my life it will occur. Um, I, I just, uh, my, my medication is evening out again. It's after midnight and a lot of sleep. So that's good. It's five to one. I'm going to put this out and go to bed. As I said, I'll have a word with Charlie, my son, and see if he's up for having a, a quick interview about some of his experiences. Um, other than that, just to wish you all, we're, I don't know where, uh, there's people all over the world listening, but we're going out of um, lockdown soon. Um, so things are getting back to some sort of normality. So I hope you're all well. If any of you do come in Scarborough, in my in uh, where I reside at the moment, do get in touch. I'm happy to go out for a cup of tea. It was really lovely, actually. I can't remember her name. Was it Melly? Melanie or something? Um, emailed me, offering me money to um, to do a quick call for her sister for for a birthday. Um, I was like, I'm doing that for free. So I'm not a big show. There's this perception that this is a huge show. We have just hit something like 5,000 downloads, um, which is mind-blowing. Um, but I'm not a big show. I am just me. I'm not a star. Um, I'm quite happy to do those things because I appreciate you listening. If you're in Scarborough and you want to go for a cup of tea or coffee, um, that, that's great. Happy to meet people and have a chat. Uh, I work flexi and I really like, you know, I, I love um, the emails and everything I receive. So I'm really grateful. It's on me as well. So yeah, anyone's in Scarborough on a holiday and wants to get in touch and uh, go out for half an hour and have a brew, please do. 
Otherwise, um, I know there's people all over the world. Just drop us an email. As, as anyone will attest, I do reply to absolutely everything. It might not be straight away, but I do. And um, just again, as always, sending you all much love. Many thanks for listening. Again, people asking about Patreon. Don't do Patreon, but if you want to support the show, leave a review. That's the best thing you can possibly do. Thank you so much. And... Um, I am, as I am, as I said before, I'm single, so I'm not doing anything at the weekend. I will be um, starting to write the shows again and getting all that sorted. So, uh, yeah, life is uh, life is interesting at the moment, but we're, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. So, uh, as always, much love and thank you for your support. Keep safe and well, and um, speak to you all soon. Good night, guys. <laughs>